Hey, beautiful fucks. This is episode 17 of the Becoming Human podcast, and I'm your host, Will Nelson. In this episode, we sit down with Josh Powers. He shows us what it is like to navigate violence across the wide spectrum of humanity. We explore why this satiates his soul. Growing up, my mom was a huge stoner, and um, my dad also did a lot of substances, too. I was always told, uh, kind of, don't trust police, and that I had to hide some things, because my mom might get in trouble. And that gave me a negative opinion of cops made them feel like that they disrupted families, that they were out there, I guess, uh, to collect their taxes and put people in cages for personal choices. I lost my trust in police from a very young age. And I think a lot of people have. As I grew older, I realized that there's certain laws that they don't really have a choice in changing. And just like how I have a job, I, I have to abide by certain procedures or else I would lose my job, even if I disagree with them at times. But there's also a wide level of incompetence amongst people and also assholes, too. Just because I encounter an asshole cop, it's... Um, not fair for me to generalize and assume that all cops are assholes. And to be in situations where you must make choices with the very consequence of your life and other people's lives on the line. And the idea that we are, are nowhere near rational beings, but incredibly emotional. made me kind of curious what it was like to be in a police officer's position or somebody who is charged with de-escalating a situation for the sake of the people around them in, in their own lives, or preserving their own lives, rather. So to better understand the relationship between people who are either attacked or targeted by police officers and to better understand what it is like to be in the police officer's position. I try to seek out amongst my friends and peers, people that encounter this on a daily basis. And Josh Powers is a, a casualty loss associate and he's been doing it for a very long time. And before that, he I think he was an he was an armed security guard and a bodyguard prior. This is literally something that he obsesses over. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I admire that. But I'll step out of my own way and we'll get to the episode. Um, but before that, I'm going to play you in with a song by Hawkeye. Go check him out on SoundCloud and...
share a story. <laughs> Alright, so what kind of got you into doing uh, loss prevention? Um, I've always had a strong background in uh, private security um, and loss prevention sometimes gets contracted out by security companies. Hmm. So I was doing things like armed security. And, really? Uh, yeah. And they had uh, some contracted out with some retail stores down in California. So I decided to try it out. And uh, turns out I'm really good at sneaking around inside of stores and <laughs> grabbing shoplifters. A little ninja. <laughs> the, um, it, is your family, like, have you always been scrappers and stuff like that growing up? Or is it something that you were introduced to as a kid? Like, uh, no, I have, I have three brothers, two older, one younger. Uh, so four of us, and we all did football, track, wrestling, baseball, um, Water polo, pretty much anything, anything contact we uh, we did. So, a lot of experience with going hands on and rolling around and going body to body with people. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you got into loss prevention and you found out that you liked it, uh, did did you kind of seek to go further in it, or are you trying to build to get out of loss prevention? Like what? Is it more or less your passion? Um, so my passion is interacting with kind of people of the <laughs> of the criminal mindset, um, predators, and people who do take advantage, stealing, theft. Um, I'd like to pursue a career in law enforcement and kind of deal with them on a daily basis. But right now, Lost French allows me to interact with them as much as possible. So I get a lot of experience with uh, employee stealing and, like I said, shoplifters. Mm-hmm. That, that must be frightening to have to deal with that. Like, not frightening, but uh, stressful to deal with that on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, I understand that with, like, police officers and other people who are in the business of de-escalating dangerous situations or potentially dangerous situations, um, we always are very quick to jump on the people who... Uh, pull the trigger early or who don't handle the situation appropriately I just I don't really understand what it's like to be in those kind of situations so I'd like you to if you if you will walk me through like one of the more um, one of the situations that kind of sticks out in your mind just okay. so the audience gets a better understanding and myself well first I want to kind of start off with explaining all the all the buildup to an actual interaction or altercation with somebody. There's, a, there's an adrenaline uh, rush or adrenaline dump that, that happens that your hands really kind of swell up. You lose all the fine motor functions. You get tunnel vision, um, rapid breathing. All these things right here kind of get you really focused on the person, the individual um, start. So I've had 
my last serious interaction was I had a, a shoplifter that I went ahead and I stepped outside, I informed him he had my my merchandise and then he needed to come back into the store. Um, really paying attention to his hands, really paying attention to his body movements. He uh, decided that he wanted to get physical. Uh, it turned out later he had warrants, so he really just didn't want to go back to jail. But uh, he, he wanted to get physical, so I uh, just kind of used basic judo training. Um, took him down to the ground, just kind of swept his foot out from underneath him, um, brought him back down ground, put my knee onto his back. Um, during the time, during the altercation though, there's a lot of things that you want to think about. So it's not as simple as just going mano a mano with somebody. There's, uh, you have to be aware of the public presence, um, people walking by, bystanders, making sure that they're not in danger. You want to make sure that you're aware of your environment, uh, you know, cars that are driving by, Maybe people are pulling out their cell phones and, and recording that. So all of these different variables are happening and you really have to make sure that what you're doing is, is the safest possible way of, of handling this situation and as quickly as possible. The longer that you're out there, the longer this altercation uh, occurs, the, the higher the risk, the higher the chance of it escalating into something other than a basic detainment. Um, so the entire, the entire thing lasted probably about 35 seconds. 35 seconds? 35 seconds. I reached out, approached, identified myself. Um, again, his, his physical behavior stated that he was not going to come back. He pushed on me, um, attempted to step past, kind of moving quickly. Real quick foot sweep, knee to his back, uh, put the handcuffs on him, stood him up, and walked him inside. Not really giving any of the customers inside the store or people coming into the store uh, a chance to really even get out their phones and, and videotape and it. Why do you do that specifically? Is it because it implicates you or the company? or? Well, the it, it doesn't necessarily implicate because we're not doing anything illegal. We are doing okay. everything um, by the book, complete state laws. Uh, even the company policy allows us to go and physically detain somebody. So that, there's okay. there's nothing against that at all. But what it is is, is you just really don't want to risk somebody pulling out their cell phone and now, nowadays and recording it and you hear world star and something like that yeah. which goes ahead and just escalates the situation, creates a crowd, creates a uh, kind of a, a panic or a, a group. Pandemonium. Yeah, exactly. Where, where you know, you have this now group thing and so it can be a PR nightmare really to kind of deflect and de-escalate the situation later when if I do it quickly, um, you know, nobody really has a chance to do that. The situation can get handled. The adrenaline rush goes away faster. And you also have that element of surprise before the person that you're going ahead detaining um, for them to gather their wits as to what just happened. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that's, that's intense. And it, it, if you... So are there certain guidelines that you have to kind of follow when you are trying to de-escalate de a situation as in um, legally like do you have to do it in such a way that if it was ever taken to court for some weird reason that you, you know what I mean that, yeah yeah we actually get uh, it's pretty common for somebody to try to claim assault on a detaining loss prevention or security officer okay. uh, it's the same with with a police officer um, somebody would claim assault or excessive use of force uh, so we, we make sure that we are within our rights to go ahead and physically detain. Mm -hmm. Essentially what we are doing is a citizen's arrest. That's the arresting power that we have. Now each company, each business has different policies as to how far that can go, how how extensive you can you can use that, whether or not you know you can pursue somebody or even go hands-on or maybe you just can approach verbally let them know and if they decide they don't want to they walk away some companies are like that I have the privilege of working for a very proactive um, company that allows me to go hands-on and and take initiative so as long as I'm using a proper use of force not escalating nothing that is uh, is lethal obviously then yeah I, I'm in my right to physically detain them that, uh, I imagine if you had, if it was far more restrictive, it would be really difficult to be able to handle the situation in those split second moments because it's hard to, is it hard to slow yourself down? 
Um, so I've actually had the experience of working in situations where I didn't have the freedom that I have now, where I was in a verbal-only uh, company that allowed me to make detainments, but only if I just spoke with them. I couldn't actually touch them in any way. Um, and there's different tactics that you can use for that. There's ways of confronting somebody and giving the appearance that it can go physical, but the easiest way is just to talk it out with them. By, by reasoning and rationalizing the situation with somebody, um, you can really kind of change the mind and, and wait for that adrenaline rush for them to wear off. So if you, as long as you draw that process out and you really sit there and get them talking and explain the situation, a lot of times you can still make a successful detainment. Um, in, in other ways, if, if someone were to fight you or run or use force essentially to, to take from a business, uh, the, the crime is, is robbery, using uh. theft using uh, force or fear. And by taking something by force physically by removing it from property, um, it's, a, it's a felony. So by allowing, by, by giving this information out to somebody and giving them the chance to step inside and settle for this misdemeanor, settle for some paperwork and a civil action rather than turn this into a bigger ordeal, uh, most of the time they'll take the, the lesser, the lesser crime. Because you, you're not putting them in a defensive position, you're offering, like, I'm trying to help you, you fucked up. Exactly. You're, you're caught now. Now you have two options. You can take the big crime and, and risk being caught, or you can go ahead, you can come back in, um, handle a much lesser penalty. And um, how do you view like people who, who make these poor decisions? Is it really hard for you, like for someone, is it really hard for you not to become bitter or hardened towards those people? Or do you do you just see it as like an average person who just today fucked up? Is it? Well, it's not really a, it's not really a specific way of thinking. It's really on a spectrum, because I've, in my experience, I've been doing this for probably just about seven years uh, total. I've uh, I've come across a lot of different individuals who have shoplifted. I've come across transients who are who have willingly provided information that they are stealing to sell for, for narcotics and drugs. Mm -hmm. I've come across family members um, who are stealing to, actually for stealing for their Christmas presents for their kids. Whoa. I've come across you know single moms who steal just for the thrill because they don't have anything else going for them. So it's not a, a like I said, a, a very specific way of looking at these people, but understanding that each one's different um, sometimes they're a simple mistake that a kid will make in high school for because his buddies pressured him into it, or sometimes it's you know it's a lifestyle for someone who is just going to continue stealing regardless of the situation. Yeah, that would be a hard thing to deal with on a case by case basis because when you do encounter someone who's like stealing for Christmas presents, I would uh, imagine. It's just, it'd be heartbreaking in that situation. I, I don't know, but, or, or you'd have to separate yourself because if it were, if it did affect you emotionally, then it would obviously, in, uh, what is it, make your judgment kind of, yeah. Yeah, it, it is very conflicting. Um, it can be if you don't learn to separate yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there are times when we've had people who shoplift and the mothers are concealing merchandise underneath the child in the baby stroller. Whoa. And they're using their child as part of the crime, mm -hmm. um, and you know it, you, when you when you pull them into the office, you are literally asking them, you know, why did you use your child to steal from us today? Yeah. Why did you use it? And you get a lot of different responses. You get people who are cold and just kind of nonchalant, like whatever. I do it all the time. And then you get people who are crying and devastated, and you can tell that they, the guilt alone is eating them up with what they did. Um, so it's, you really have to separate yourself and kind of understand, like I said, it is case by case, but mm -hmm. it's a job. This is what it is, it's a job. You can't allow your personal feelings to get involved. 
Uh, you can't allow yourself to be uh, emotionally compromised. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, you will make mistakes. Otherwise, you know, mistakes will happen. There's a higher risk for situations to get out of hand if you allow yourself to be compromised. Yeah, I would imagine you become biased in your judgment, I guess, which would be, yeah, emotionally yeah. compromised. You can. Huh. And w for you, in like a... Go, Castle. Go. The dogs just love me. They just want to lay all over me. I'm like a doggy hotel. <laughs> the, um, and for you, what... I, I don't mean for this to come off in the wrong way, but I don't know how, what other words to use it, but what do you enjoy the most out of this? Or what do you, I don't want to say like enjoy, like you get joy out of it, but what fulfills you the most out of this, you know? You know what, there is a, there is a sense of accomplishment in being able to catch people doing, doing wrong, catching people committing crimes. Um, and that's what they're doing. Is they're, they're stealing from businesses, they're... Uh, really hurting the businesses, hurting the, the opportunities that the employees have there. Um, the inventory can be completely askew because of this. So there is a sense of pride and a sense of accomplishment by apprehending uh, people who steal. Um, but probably one of the best things that, the best feelings out of this is when I apprehend somebody and they actually have prior warrants and issues for other situations. So a lot of times I get people who have this criminal history and the police have already been looking for them. And because I caught them, now they're off the streets. Oh, wow. So that's, that's actually a pretty common situation for me. Is really? To, is to catch people who, like I said, have warrants, have, uh, you know, domestic, have aggravated assault issues, have just really dangerous people or really high-level criminals that come in and make a small mistake at one of my businesses and I'm the one to catch them and mm -hmm. you know what we don't we I don't see them again yeah exactly <laughs> I could definitely see how that derives a sense of fulfillment uh, just kind of being this in this protector role in a lot of ways and that's just that's such a crazy situation to be in to de-escalate situations like that where you literally have your life on the line, but you also have to consider their life as well, as long as they're not going to kill you. I mean, like an imminent crossing you out. Yeah, the the physical aspect is is one of the one of the most intense. Um, we we are completely hands hands on, but with no tools of any kind except for handcuffs, and which are obviously handcuffs are the only tool is. is used to restraint they're not used as a weapon ever so really what we are doing is we're going after these people who have uh syringes who have knives who have firearms who have different makeshift uh blunt and edged weapons and uh we're apprehending them with our as long as we're, we're safe to do so we're making sure that we're as tactical as possible and uh then we are placing them you know, mm -hmm. in handcuffs, bringing them inside, detaining them inside this office where sometimes it's just you and this other person who you find out has multiple warrants for all kinds of different things and possibly carrying narcotics on them. And yeah. you just sit there for 20, 30 minutes until the police arrive with them. Wow. That's intense. Mm -hmm. And have you always, have you always been this courageous in the face of, like, in the face of threats? It's... But I understand for some people, like, I've met uh, quite a spectrum of people, and there's uh, quite a few people out there who, like, you and I were talking before we started the podcast, literally turn the other way and run, <laughs> and then there's that freezing, that not even the, yeah, the freezing or the inability to move thing that we were talking about. Did you start there and had to work your way out, or have you always been able to handle yourself really well in these situations? Um, unfortunately, I actually have failed. Oh really? <laughs> I have failed in, in most um, most physical interactions we have all throughout my life. <laughs> um, no, I, I've made poor decisions. I froze in the middle of, of uh, altercations. I have made mistakes. I've acted too quickly. I've acted too slowly. So I like I, I like to say that I've failed so many times now that I can see the failure coming and I choose to to. Mm. Do the other, yeah. do the other option. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when I get in these situations now, it's I don't think I'm. It's a courageous decision. I just think that it's the smartest decision because I've I've been through the bad stuff and I've already experienced it and I know what it looks like. Mm. I see. 
and, and it's almost like it, it's become it's not instinct but intuitive like you've hammered it down so much that you know you're like a musician where they don't have to think of the chords they play because they can't play a song if they have to think <laughs> about it it's just natural right there because they've worked it so much yes wow. yeah by working it over and over um, I want to say in the last in the last year I've been part of 130 detainments for external theft and about 12 internal detainments for employee theft. So, um, yeah, like I said, when it comes time to to being in the middle of it and being in the heat, um, I have a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it sounds like uh, even outside of um, detaining people in de-escalating situations, it's like you're on a constant track of sounds like you have to constantly not constantly continually improve yourself and be uh what is it observe yourself introspective yeah in in order to build and kind of work your way forward um has that always been something that you've done or was there like a moment in your life to where you, you started i guess working being aware of who you were in this world and who you want to become like, was there a pivotal moment in your life that's like, hey, I want to start um, working towards this, or I need these things to work on moving forward? Cause, I would say there wasn't one pivotal moment. There was more of multiple situations that have occurred throughout my life as to each one considered a major stepping stone. Mm-hmm. Um, something as simple as getting into a, a, an altercation, a, a high school fight. Um, in the locker room, probably about sophomore year of high school, uh, changed the way that I, I understood kind of violence, uh, initial violence. It wasn't anymore a Hollywood thing. It was very real. Yeah. And I kind of was able to, to understand it and, and see it happen. And then, you know, turning, turning 18, 19, getting into a real-world situation at a bar, um, another, another fight, another act of violence, and seeing how it played out. Um, and then getting involved into this career-wise um, in the security field and seeing violence constantly. There was just stepping stone after stepping stone of seeing violence happen and real violence. And the, the more that I saw it, the more that I experienced it, the more that you know it, it became real to me, um, really kind of directed me towards, towards where I am now. Um, and kind of, like I said, just slowly and slowly refining how mm-hmm. I understand uh, how people react and interact in, in situations of violence, how people, how bystanders react, how witnesses react, um, you know, how true violence actually is and how it's not portrayed in Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. Dog, get the Goofball. Yeah, my dogs are just loving you right yeah, now. They're climbing all over you. <laughs> I don't have a dog myself, and I really want one, so this works. <laughs> so get it out of me. And with violence is actually is rather prevalent in our society. I mean, in all societies. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but it is human nature, or it's just nature of any animal, really. <laughs> yeah, it's um. It's really a different, a different beast. Um, like I said, it's true violence nowadays. Isn't it? Isn't like Hollywood. It isn't. It isn't fluid. It isn't. I always thought it was like that. It, it, it's not a, a martial artist teaches an art, um, but real violence is is short. It's aggressive. It's rapid. It's repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just there, there's really nothing like it. Um, it, it's something that, that can't be trained unless you've, you've been in it, unless you've been in the heat, unless you've been, you've walked through it. Um, you can't, you can't try to teach it or, or move that way again. Yeah. Wow. Cause you're almost what in like that adrenaline state essentially and just the whole situation. Cause I, I guess training, you know, training with you and, uh, martial arts it's all prepared it's you have this amount of time you know for this round and i can see how that it's completely different if for people out there how could they prepare themselves for that kind of situation (laughs) if if i I understand that you can't train it but i mean like if, if you could at least prepare yourself somewhat well so training training martial arts 
mm-hmm. is already training for the situation to have happened. Okay. Essentially, that's what you're doing. If you train uh, a grappling, if you train striking, you're training for it to have already happened. Um, but violence doesn't start that way. Violence starts fast, like an ambush. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in a, it doesn't ever start with two people who square off in a street or in a back alley and go toe to toe. You know, if you ever have the option of squaring off with somebody and you choose to stand there and not run away, um, you can't claim self-defense. You're claiming you're you're part of it. You're part of an altercation. Now. You're mm. part of an assault. Um, you're just as viable as the other person. Oh. If if you have the option to run away, if you have the option to give your wallet to to turn tail and go and just leave your ego there, you know, if you do anything else in that situation, you can't claim self-defense. So, really, okay, martial artist is training after the ambush has already occurred. Okay. But beforehand, if you are self-aware, paying attention to your surroundings, paying attention to the people around you, um, not being a society that's buried into their phone while they're crossing the street or yeah, while hit they're the driving. Yeah, hit the light post because you're wa- watching your phone <laughs> while you're walking. Um, I've never done that before. <laughs> yes. Um... So if you practice that, if you practice paying attention to your environment, pay attention to people around you, and pay attention to yourself, how do you walk when you're out in public? How do you carry yourself? You know, how do you look to the drivers as they drive by? Are you looking at them threatening? Are you looking at them aggressive? Are you initiating situations when you could just be turning the other way and, and you know, avoiding it entirely? That's how you really should train to avoid violence. Is all uh, avoiding and, and practicing these situation situational awareness um, of your environment and yourself. Huh. That, and that I I can kind of like I can relate on that point too because I've had with my sister, she experiences a very violent life where like uh, you you gotta watch out for people or if you do martial arts they're gonna uh, fuck you up and they're gonna break you you know break your arm or whatever. And uh, it's like a dog-eat-dog world to her. And I know that she experiences that. But, like, what you're saying is that situational awareness, and you could avoid a lot of it before it even happens. Before, way before it even happens. She brings that on in a lot of ways. And whether or not she's aware of it or not, I'm looking at her and comparing our situations. I can see differences. I can see that she puts the beacon out there, quite literally. Yeah, and a lot of people do, and a lot of people aren't, aren't aware of it. And that's what makes them targets. Mm-hmm. That's what makes them, again, beacons yeah. for, for violence. <laughs> but if you're aware of it, if you're aware of your own actions, your own behavior, and you're willing to, to not let your pride you know, put yourself in a, in a situation that could be dangerous physically or even very costly from a legal standpoint, mm-hmm. um, then you're going to walk away. And being tough or the appearance of being tough is not actually going to be beneficial for you in avoiding violence, or would it be? So, there's a difference between being tough and, yes, and having that that ego, that machismo. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Type uh, ability. Now, like I said, everyone is different. So, sometimes you can walk around as the toughest guy in the room, and that works. Nobody wants to mess with you because nobody in that has that personality that they want to mess with the toughest person in the room. But if you go to an area, you know, that there is somebody who wants to mess with you, then you become the beacon. Mm-hmm. So you really have to understand your environment as you understand yourself. All right? If you're a big guy, I'm a, I'm a very uh, big guy. I mean, I'm fit. I look, you know, very muscular. But there are times when I walk around, you know, with my head down, with my shoulders slouched, because I'm not drawing attention. Mm-hmm. You know, my pride is not involved there. I know I'm not going to enter into any altercations or any aggressive, you know, conflicts because of how I'm holding myself. And then there are times when I can walk down the street and I chest out, held head high because, you know, again, I'm aware that the people around me aren't going to challenge me in that time. I see. So do you kind of have to, you can't, like I said, there's no specific standard for it. You really have to play it by ear every situation. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that's incredible. The amount of demand it takes of, of, on your decision-making skills and stuff like that. I, once again, just to relate it back to police officers, because they, go, they get so under fire recently. That's not a pun, but um, <laughs> is that 
it sounds like a rare thing for someone to handle it so well. Yeah, it's the the normal behavior is is definitely the normal person doesn't think about this. We're talking police are normal people. Yeah, correctional officers are normal people. Um, law enforcement, military, they're all normal. They just have training. Mm -hmm. They just have been trained to be aware of these things, but they still react sometimes as a normal person would do. Yeah. Sometimes they, they react with pride or sometimes the adrenaline rush, tunnel vision, you know, um, trying to make a decision or, or enter a building or enter an, an area, a group area with, you know, draws attention unnecessary. It's, it's a normal thing. They're not always gonna be focused on this. Yeah. We all have our good and bad days, essentially. Exactly. For you, for police officers, there's a lot of risk in a bad day, essentially. Wow. Yeah, there's a very common term that, that police officers are taught, and that's uh, the public is always looking at them through a fishbowl. So they're always in the fishbowl, which means that everything that, they're done, that they do in the public's eye always going to be magnified and always going to be under observation and always going to be watched very closely. So in the middle of an altercation where they have to make a decision based on they have to make a decision um, based on somebody's physical ability, somebody's experience, uh, they come across somebody who stands like a martial artist, who's wearing a large jacket, possible weapons inside, but there's a crowd around them, there's cameras out, people have phones, people are yelling at them. And it's not just PR, if it goes south for them. Exactly, this is life and death, not only for them, but this is life and death for the people around it. All these bystanders with, with phones out and everything who are just trying to watch and, and put something up on YouTube to make themselves famous, yeah. they could be in danger. The, the officer is very much aware of this. They have to be able to protect them because if someone whips out a gun, and then it's game over for not just them but everybody else. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And we're not talking firearm. We're talking knife. We're talking just aggression itself. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a physical person is enough to do damage. Oh, oh wow. And, uh, what is it? Oh, with so with these. I got one question too. Is with. Uh, do you believe that mass shootings are on the rise? And I don't even mean statistically, I mean just like your feeling of being out in the public. Do you, how would I say this? Um, do you feel like it's a lot less safe for the average person to be out in public? And the reason why I bring this up is because I have some people who are discouraged from doing things because of, you know, the knowing, uh, people, the mass shootings and stuff like that. And what I always say is it's probably the news is that it's being reported far more. And even if it's happening more, we do have more people. So, to, so statistically, it may or may not be the same. Uh, I'm not really talking numbers because I don't know the numbers very well. But I, I try to discourage this sense of paranoia because I think it's ultimately destructive as an individual. Um, in these situations, though, in public, do you think there is a greater danger today? And if so... How would you prepare yourself for, I know it's a case-by-case -case situation, but I mean, how would you go about identifying it, like, I need to leave, basically? Well, so I, I, I agree with you. I think the because of social media, because of how we're all connected now, if a situation does occur, everyone will hear about it. Mm -hmm. It's not so rare nowadays where with the Columbine incident, you know, when it happened, it was such a big deal that rocked the nation. Whereas nowadays, you know, you do hear about active shooters and, and mass shootings, you know, uh, weekly almost yeah. across the nation. Um, but I do think that there is an increased chance of it happening because of the mentality of people nowadays. Um, uh, mentality is how so? Uh, people are more inclined to, to act out in extreme situations. Um, I, a, a personal opinion of mine is that when we were growing up, when you know the generation before us were growing up, if they had situations of, uh, of violence and altercations, a lot of times it would end in a school fight. It would end, you know, you'd go out in parking lots, you'd go out yeah, to just scrap somewhere and, and you would fight and you would understand the specific level of violence needed for that situation. Uh, now it's so many people are are being you know uh, coddled essentially and, and preventing from from acting out and understanding violence that they're only 
outlet now is an extreme situation. Mm. Is you know you have kids who are bringing their parents' firearms to school, or who you know if they get somebody picks on them, then they attack them with a pair of scissors yeah. or something. It, it's an escalation of violence um, instead of handling it, like I said, as older generations would have and with appropriate. Now there are situations. I'm not saying every situation is like this, but there, there's hit and miss. But I do think that that's kind of what's the the social standard right now is is if a situation goes bad and people are are depressed or have a, an opinion, then it's going to get violent and it's going to escalate into large violence. It's almost like repression. Anytime you repress something, it gets way worse. Like sexual repression, a lot of things. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're being held back from from experiencing it at a young age and understanding. Um, yeah, if a puppy is never never develops a, a method for how to use its teeth. It doesn't know how to bite, it doesn't know how to chew on things, it just has teeth, but it's always kept from, from using them. Uh, when it gets older in a dog and it's being treated in a, in a situation where it has to act instinctively, the, the dog itself now is going to bite. It's going to bite and it's gonna bite hard because it, doesn't, it hasn't learned the, the tolerance, it hasn't learned um, nuance of a bite exactly it doesn't it doesn't have the control because it doesn't have experience with that so that's I, I feel like yes we're in an environment where adults don't know how to react to violence and they don't know how to react to situations so it's escalated greatly um, now having said that I don't think that should hinder you from from living a full life at all I think that you can still go out you can still enjoy just every situation possible but going back to what I said you have to be aware of your situation and yourself in those scenarios mm -hmm. if you walk into a nightclub you have to understand these people are under the influence these people are you know a highly populated and confined area everyone is there for for fun for for sex for drugs for you know for for a good time everyone's inhibitions are lowered that is an area where problems are going to occur a lot more than than at the grocery store okay the, the mentality is different there and i explain this to to my female friends all the time if if you go to a nightclub and you go just because you want to go dancing but you go there and a guy comes up and he grabs your ass yeah. Okay? You slap his hand away. You say, get off me. This assist. You turn around. You walk away. If you're in a grocery store and a guy grabs your ass, you freak yeah. out. You call the police. You put him on blast. It is a different situation. I think about and, that. Yeah. That is because what has been socially acceptable and what is the norm now in those environments is just outrageous. And I come from a background of doing, doing you know, security and... Uh, and, and entertainment venues. Um, and so I've seen a lot of these and I've seen a lot of reactions and I've seen people shrug it off. I've seen, you know, guys get hit in the mouth before, but I've also seen guys just getting pushed away and girls, a group of girls who just come up and just grab their friend and pull her away. Like, Hey, no, we're fine. Whatever. Like it's no big deal. And I think about this, like if you're in any other venue, any other area at the store at a, you know, you're having brunch, at, yeah. at a bistro and some guy comes up brushing up on you you know whispers in your ear or something like this you would freak out you would have a completely different reaction but if you go to an environment that's that welcomes that that attitude that's so lenient on on something like that then you can expect that other scenarios and other situations are going to be escalated there as well so in, like i said enjoy yourself go to places that, that you're going to have fun you know don't stop all the just because of all the, the violence don't stop living your life but be prepared be aware have a have an exit strategy have a plan i never considered how much the social norms get flexed in different situations like that because yeah if someone if someone grabbed my dick in a grocery store <laughs> that would be really uncomfortable i mean i'm a man so i could I'm not trying to be sexy. It, it, it doesn't matter. Even even yeah. a, even if an attractive woman were to go ahead and, and aggressively grab you, yeah. you know, at a club, you would be, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. may, maybe you know, let's let's do something. But at a store or at, at you know, at a McDonald's, mm -hmm. someplace where you're getting food, anything like this, it would be a completely different scenario. Yeah, exactly. You would, you know, cops would be called. Yeah, cops definitely would be called. Oh shit. And do you think that? Uh, do you have any commentary on how that affects us as people? 
having those environments where social norms get flexed? Um, I, I think that they are they're a good outlet, but mm-hmm. I think it all goes back to to what people are what what's being repressed mm-hmm. uh, inside of people, and then them needing an outlet for you know to to act to to drink to dance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it, the norm for them is, is they have to behave a certain way and act a certain way. So they need these these outlets. The younger generation feels that, you know, maybe in school they're uniform dress code, you know, clean shaven, yeah. all these rules like, and everything. So they need to go someplace where the rules aren't there. Hmm. And I, I think that's what happens. Is that, and that's why, you know, the, the clubs and nightlifes are filled with those people that come in right out of areas that the rules were strictly enforced. Yeah, exactly. You know, they haven't yet figured out how the world works or how everything... What's too far. Exactly. And so they allow things. They're in a place where the rules aren't there. So they allow things to go ahead and escalate. They, they don't have that understanding yet. I imagine, too. I mean, I've been in situations. I don't know how relative it is. Is that... <clears throat> there's a no turning back point on some behaviors or some situations where you're doing something and it's like, oh, fuck, I'm already this far and you just make some really poor choices and you just pull that trigger because you don't, you're not accustomed to, I guess, being in those situations or acting out any of these uh, these urges or sensations or ideas. Um, for women, what do you, there's always this thing that, uh, that women are vulnerable. And is that really the case? I mean, I understand that if you have like a 125 pound fully grown woman and then you got your average, what, 200 or 175 pound man, even when he's got the flu, he can kick the shit out of her. But I mean, no offense to women, but is this something that women really need to consider? Um, Like, is there a pretty big threat? Yeah, yeah. I um, I I'm fully uh, supportive of of the females that can hold their own, mm-hmm. that can you know that have law enforcement training or that have martial arts training that are physically strong. That you know they work out, um, they know how to carry themselves. Maybe they grew up with a group of brothers, whatever it is. Yeah, I fully support that. But unfortunately, that that is not the norm. Um, that and and I think that. A lot of ways that, that the females grew up understanding and thinking that that's the norm kind of just kind of been a crutch to them as well. Um, but in my experience, being in those environments, yeah, the, the women are targeted, and you're right. They sometimes they just let things go too far. Yeah. And they put themselves in situations, especially the younger generation, that they don't have experience saying no. Mm-hmm. They don't know what a strong no looks like. They don't know what a you know cut and go looks like yet so they have nothing to base that that decision off of so they just let it go oh i see what you're saying and that sets a dangerous precedent in that situation it's like i could take this further yeah and that's that prey versus predator kind of thing exactly yeah they're they're putting this mindset where they don't know what a you know what what a predator looks like or maybe they do but they just don't know how to to avoid or evade or escape something like that. I've met some people too, like, uh, what is it, that, I have one particular friend, and if you take him out into the woods, he's afraid he's going to get lost, he doesn't understand his sense of direction, doesn't know how to start a fire, doesn't know how to feed himself, and if he won't go out into the woods by himself because he's so afraid, and this this guy's bigger than me, older than me, and I'm just like, okay. And I've talked to a handful of other people who are like that as well. And I feel like that is something that I don't want to make this sweeping uh, assumption. But I see this a lot in younger people. And like 30 and under crowd is where it's like not the confidence. I don't even want to say confidence. The ability to say no and be assertive is just diminished. And I don't want to, once again, not a sweeping gesture but I'm saying there are pockets of these people out there and I think it could be dangerous in certain situations or I don't know yeah I, I wouldn't say that that's specific to an age group because I, I've seen that in quite a bit of of everything I've seen um, older graphic yeah I've, I've actually seen older people get taken advantage of mm-hmm. um, you know middle age younger teens it's uh 
it's a mindset really and it, it's it's the type of environment they were raised in it's the type of role models that they have um, sometimes it's just personality issues but I think that if people again were situationally aware mm-hmm. okay there's there's a lot it takes a lot for you to go ahead and change your own behavior so that way you appear stronger you appear not to be a victim you walk taller yeah that, that can take a lot more than than training yourself to, to understand what's going on around you mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. To, to being able to to identify situations that maybe aren't situations you should put yourself in your your friend who you know who doesn't go out to the wilderness or anything like this maybe his assertive decision is not going to the wilderness until he's trained on that yeah maybe that's where he says no one maybe that's where he stands his ground is, is that one right there because he knows if he went out there you know, he'd be in a bad spot. But if people took that towards an urban environment as well, uh-huh. you know, I'm not going to go down the street, you know, at two in the morning, even if there's a McDonald's down there and it's the only thing that's open. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to go down there because, you know, lights, cars are broken into. It's a bad area. I had a friend who did this, this, this down there. Like, if you took that same principle and applied it to being assertive in an urban environment, you would mm-hmm. avoid situations and you would keep yourself out of them that situational awareness once again there's um, even just like when to keep people from breaking into my fucking car <laughs> um, is kind of like what you, you and I were talking about before we started the podcast was being great um, is that the only time that I had my car broken into was when my son left his wallet on the back seat and that wallet was empty and then every time at my work when I replace people's like door glasses for their vehicles it's because they leave a bag in there. And that's it. That's the only reason. I've never heard someone, oh, yeah, I just broke in my car because there wasn't shit in there. Or there's a jacket. No, it's because they set themselves up almost. And uh, I guess there's two things on that. First one, it got me thinking, so does every time I park my car, does someone look in my car? And I just don't get jacked because I don't got anything in there? Because every time that someone's left something in there, they have been robbed. So I feel like uh, there's just a lot of predators out there or something like that looking to, you know, steal things or I I don't know. Well, yeah, I would say that's probably a good way of looking at it is that every time you leave your vehicle, somebody's going to look inside. Mm -hmm. That right there is going to keep your vehicle probably the safest, making sure that nothing's in there. But yeah, you want to be as gray as possible. Think about if you thought about yourself like your car Mm -hmm. okay if you thought that there's always somebody watching you always somebody who's going to see what you have and whether or not they want to take it and whether or not they can take it does your car have an alarm system do you work out okay does your car have you know tinted windows where it's going to be hard to see maybe you stand and you portray yourself with a very ominous tone it's very hard to figure out hard to read Okay, so the harder that you make yourself a victim, the harder you make your car a victim, okay, the less likely predators are going to prey on both. Oh, that's that, and I see that almost as uh, what is it relative to a lot of other things that are going on right now, too, with people. And I don't mean to get political or anything like that, I just think this is important, uh, and it's been important to me. I've been trying to explore it lately is the whole use of pronouns and people, you know, switching genders and all that other stuff, which is okay with me. My problem though is what scares me is, I know it's a little bit off topic, but I'll bring it back. I it's promise. Fine. It's fine. Is uh, New York just passed the, the city ordinance, um, or yeah, city ordinance that if you use the incorrect pronoun is like a renter. Um, you're te- so if I call, if, you want, if you're a Zay, and, or yeah, Zay, and I call you a uh, he, guy or whatever and you can sue me and then you can put me in jail but in Canada they actually passed it as an entire law for the country and my thing is is that just like with guns and gun violence I know that they can't really take away your guns they can put loopholes in it to make it hard but it's dummy or nerfing the system essentially I think it makes it worse whereas opposed to teaching people resilience and the ability to not be victims is the only uh, what is that? I don't sustainable thing to do, because otherwise it's just it's a downhill kind of slope. Like you're saying right now, when you're saying that uh, repression and not being able to act out, like if uh, it would end up in a fight, 
when you were kids. And then, but now people don't really know how to handle that and people get to these boiling points where they explode and then bad shit happens. Well, in schools right now, it's not, you can't play cops and robbers. You, um, you can't play, uh, you can't play pirates because pirates is too violent. And what I'm saying is like trying to take away the violence as opposed to teach yourself how to defend against violence is making us soft in such a soft and very dangerous for when we do explode. And I'm curious in your thoughts on that, like, because you see violence obviously often and would it be making the system if you could magically change the fucking system, would it be making the system to where people couldn't access these dangerous tools? Or would it be teaching people how to just deal with the 10% of fuckheads that we encounter? Yeah, that's that's exactly what it would be. Is I would definitely... Um, I agree with you 100%. I think that it's more of... Um, more like your immune system. Yeah. You know what? If you if you yeah if you block it completely um, from from ever interacting with germs, then you could be 25 and finally hit your first germ and that's it. That's yeah. that's it. That's it for you. Sure. Whereas if you if you build up this immunity, if you learn how to deal with it, um, because there, that's like saying we're going to get rid of germs completely. Yeah. Okay. We're not. Unfortunately, we're not going to get violent people or people with you know uh, mental disabilities that cause outbursts of violence or or just aggression in general that's that's just human nature we're not getting rid of that okay but if we learn how to deal with it if we learn how to how to handle it um even from a young age okay you're right they took away uh cops and robbers and pirates and any sort of rough housing whatsoever so now me and you as martial artists as, as training we deal with adults who have never encountered a physical inter- yeah, oh, yeah. altercation whatsoever. And it, it's so entertaining to us um, because we see them as as this 25-year-old who's never been around a germ. Yeah. And, you know, they, they don't know how to throw a punch or maybe they don't know how to block a punch or they don't know how to dodge or they don't know how to get up off their feet once they've been knocked down. These are all things mm-hmm. that, you know, if you learned when you were younger, you wouldn't be afraid of. You wouldn't be cautious about. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you completely. I think that if, if we immerse ourselves in it in a positive way, in a healthy way, and at a, at a um, if there were specific standards and, and we kind of rationed it out mm-hmm. to where, you know, we're not overdoing it, we're not completing, you know, I'm not saying create a, a Spartan yeah, exactly. <laughs> culture Spartan. where, where yeah. we are just straight warriors, but if we just make it a, a part of us like anything else, like we learn math, you would also learn roughhousing, mm-hmm. you know, you would also learn the ability, your physical capabilities, what you can, can't do, um, people wouldn't, there wouldn't be these boiling points. There wouldn't be these situations that just explode. Mm-hmm. Uh, this 20, 20, 30 year old man, you know, or 20 year old woman, um, is being pushed around, pushed around. She's never, ever experienced this ever in her life. Yeah. And so her only option or his only option is to go to a weapon or tool and escalate it completely. Whereas somebody who grew up around, you know, like I said, myself grew up around brothers who were always roughhousing. You know, someone pushes me, maybe I push him back. Maybe that settles it and it's never done. Or maybe we punch each other for a little bit and it's done. Either way, it sounds barbaric, but it doesn't escalate past that. Mm-hmm. Okay? It doesn't because we know how to deal with these situations. Okay? We, we're, we're accustomed to it. Yeah. We, we've learned it like we learn anything else. That makes complete and total sense, man. Because it's like... Uh, even when you're first learning like jujitsu, for instance, and you got someone who is just on top of you, like in side control, and initial reaction at first is like, fuck, 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 I can't breathe, I can't <laughs> breathe, and once that starts happening, you start panicking, and sometimes you end up needing someone or just doing something that's like improper as opposed to using technique and form. I mean, just starting out you don't really know technique and form but you could just punch the guy in the fucking face because you're freaking out and yeah. you're in that fight or flight response and I never that immune system too that's a really good analogy I never thought about it like you just that. haven't built it up you haven't built up a physical immune system so and culturally we even went through that too where people were all freaked out about germs and it really screwed us over in the end right antibiotics and stuff like that and I think the same way culturally what we're doing with in terms of I guess violence is the same thing in a lot of ways. And so uh, just to close out is with when you do loss prevention and stuff like that, I notice that you're really disciplined 
and that you're immersed in, I don't want to say lifestyle, but all aspects of um, protecting, de-escalating situations and being able to understand people. Um, is Do you do that because you want to be the best at uh, de-escalating situations, for example? Or do you do it because it feels good? Because it feels right to you? Does that make sense? Are you like doing it because you're working towards an idea? Or are you doing it because there's nothing else you'd rather be doing? Um, I would say both. Both? Actually, yeah, both. Not only is it when I'm, when I'm working towards it, when I'm training, when I'm studying, when I'm reading books on it, when I'm going for certifications in different areas of this, mm-hmm. uh, it's not just because it feels like this is what I should be doing, which it does. Yeah. It does. When I sit down and when I go through these environments, it's, it's something that, you know, I feel like I was built to do. Mm-hmm. I feel like my interest is peaked at it. My emotional investment is, is as much as it's ever been in there. But I also am doing this to be the best that I can at this. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it so that way, uh, if I, if I am ever out with my family, if I'm ever out with friends, if I'm ever out with people and a situation ever pops off, mm-hmm. nobody who's close to me will ever question whether or not I'm good to go. Everyone already, because of this is how I've been doing things for years, um, they, they turn to me if a situation happens. If we were in a parking lot leaving a restaurant and we see two people fighting outside, uh-huh. you know, they get behind me. They turn to me because violence is something that I immersed myself in violence yeah. is something that I do so that's why I continue growing I continue doing it violence is an ever-changing beast and there's you can never know too much about it yeah so uh, I'm gonna keep keep growing keep learning keep studying um, and I'm gonna push for like I said a stronger profession mm-hmm. um, and probably one day when I'm all crippled and broken and I can't <laughs> do it myself uh, I'll be looking forward to, to training a whole bunch of other people as to as to what they can and can't be doing and making sure that, that other people are out there stopping predators. I think you'd be a good teacher, man. You got a lot of heart and you got good intentions. You can tell just from meeting you when I first met you. You can tell <laughs> right away. Do you have uh, anything that you want to leave the audience with? Uh, um, just uh, people should be safe out there and you know, know what they're going into, know what situations they're getting into and making sure that It doesn't scare them to go out there and live their lives. Ah, Thanks, guys, for listening. I hope you are enjoying yourselves. Um, I got big things coming up. I got a bunch of guests lined up. I'm going to start making it weekly and do some more exploration with the homeless. Um, If you'd like to show your support for the show, please drop a comment either on Instagram page, at King. Or iTunes, and also please rate the show if you can, either on iTunes or Google Play. It's the best way that you could help. It helps get more listeners on, and in turn, that helps support me as an artist so I can keep doing this more often. Thank you, guys. Ah!